The West Coast Traveler is an adventure in itself with content created by professional journalists and amazing photos provided by our readers. WestCoastTraveler.com is the newest travel network exploring all corners of Western Canada and the U.S. You'll see stunning photos and videos, read engaging travel features from around Western Canada and the U.S. Experience all the West Coast has to offer. Begin planning your next adventure. Visit WestCoastTraveler.com. Welcome back to the final episode of Measure Twice, Cut Once, Season 4, Real-Time Reno. Of course, we are following our favorite family, the Burdens, Skyla and Justin, as they renovate their Heritage Bee home in Vancouver. And of course, we have their interior designer, Kara from Triple Dot Design, and their builder, Alex from Level 1 Construction. And we have a very special guest today. Her name is Elisa Aragon Lloyd, and she is the founder and CEO of Bridgestone Financing Pros. So she is going to be taking a look at the budget that Skyla and Justin had, all the ups and downs that we've had in this project. How did that affect their budget? Because as homeowners that are wanting to renovate and young homeowners like Skyla and Justin, it's kind of an unknown. A lot of us don't know how to do this. Even if we come from a family that maybe is versed in it, I think a lot of us think like, oh, we need to know everything about a either purchasing a home or how are we going to be able to afford to renovate it. And we need to know all that information to be successful at it. And that's not the case because I think Skyla and Justin, you and I have had a conversation before. It's kind of one of those things that you're like, oh, I don't know if we did it correctly or we did it our way. But that is why we have Elisa here today because she is going to make us feel so much better about ourselves because she does anytime that I talk to her because I love her motto, which is it's always the right time for you when it's right. So that is very comforting. And I know you guys are going to love talking to her. And we kind of get to relive the project as well. I don't know, we might get to relive some parts that maybe we're not super excited about. Like, you know, we had that unexpected cost of the roof. But now that the roof is done, I think we can all say that it was probably good to be done now because we don't need to deal with it in the future. But to recap us further onto the project, Alex, can you give us a little short synopsis of everything we went through this season from the builder's point of view? Anytime you're doing a large scale renovation on an older house, there's always going to be some things that pop up that have extra expenses or extra costs to the budget that can always be predicted before you start. In this example, you know, we had uh, a roof that needed to be replaced. We had some additional plumbing that needed to be repaired an extra engineering costs that had to be incurred to make the house structurally sound. So part of any large scale rental, you're always going to have something and it just varies from project to project. Now from the homeowner's point of view, if you could sum up the renovation in your own words, what would you come up with? Yeah, so it's been a, a, a lengthy process. Um, definitely what we anticipated happening maybe didn't go to plan, but in the end, Super happy that we did it. Really excited that we get to live in a nice new old house because essentially, you know, the top two floors are, are brand new now. Perfect. And your take on it, Justin? Yeah, same. You know, there's there's been ups and downs. Um, overall, everything's pretty much gone according to plan. Like Alex had mentioned, there's always things that come up. 
dealing with an older home and there were some surprises. Everyone's been able to to deal with those surprises. We worked through them and, you know, really just the most trying thing really at the end of the day was probably the timeline. We're anxious to to be back in our home and be comfortable and project took a little longer than anticipated, but the results were worth it. It's always a hard part when uh, going through the whole renovation process is you just want it to be finished and you get to move in it and enjoy it, even though everything seems daunting with like all the money that you spent and then eventually you get to move in and enjoy. We're going to take us back right now. And can you tell us a little bit about how you guys actually made the decision to get the home from Skyla's parents and how you ended up purchasing that? What was the conversation like? The story really starts in the summer of 2020. So we're still early in the pandemic. We were living in a duplex in another part of the city. And me and Skyla, we knew that that wasn't a spot where we wanted to stay long term. Our youngest daughter was getting ready to enter kindergarten and we wanted to find a neighborhood close to schools you know with a strong community that we could raise our family in and be there for a long time so we decided that summer that we were going to sell our home and we were a little concerned with the housing market in Vancouver we we didn't know how things were going to respond to the pandemic there was a little bit of fear that you know the market could take a serious hit as a result we didn't want to be sitting there you know, and lose any of the equity that we'd built in our home. So we decided to sell and we had made an arrangement with Skyla's parents that, you know, we could stay with them temporarily while we looked for a new place to live. So we moved in with them in the fall of, of 2020. And then we kind of spent a few quiet months, you know, just getting adjusted. And then in January of 2021, we started to look for another place to live. And, you know, we cast the net wide. We looked in Vancouver, in East Vancouver. We started considering a move out to the Valley. This was kind of when there was this big outflux of of people. People had realized that there was maybe a, a future working from home or some sort of hybrid working models. So there was a lot of people moving out into the Valley. And our initial thesis, which was that, you know, maybe housing prices would would come down and our buying power would be you know, improved. Well, the the exact opposite happened. There was very little supply on the market. Prices started to rise. And we soon found ourselves in a situation where we were really struggling to find reasonable options that kind of fit our, our, our needs in terms of being in a community, being close to school. And the more we thought about it, the more we realized that where we were staying temporarily in Skyla's parents' house was actually a perfect location for us. It was right in a great catchment for, for school, you know, really, really nice neighborhood and, and also close to downtown in the North Shore, close to our, our work environments. And it just so happened at that time, Skyla's parents were also considering making a move themselves. So, you know, we had an opportunity to sit down and, you know, have some discussions about what that could look like if they were interested in moving and selling and and if we were interested in buying. And there was some other factors at play there. Skyla's parents had been in this house for over 40 years. I think they're the second owner of the, this home, which was originally built in 1912. So they have a really strong attachment to it, a strong attachment to the community. And I think they saw value there keeping it within the family. And we obviously, we saw that as something we would like to to continue on this legacy, this house in Vancouver. And we're really fortunate that, you know, it kind of worked out that we didn't have to find ourselves in a bidding war with other buyers. We could kind of take our time, negotiate this. And one of the things that me and Skyla talked about is, you know, if we're going to do this, we think this house needs some work. It's not an ideal setup for a family of four. 
definitely, you know, the the top two floors needed some work. So that's where in February of 2021, we reached out to Alex on level one and just said like, hey, we're looking at possibly purchasing this home. What would it look like in terms of costs to do a serious reno on this on this property? Me and Skylar were really naive. We didn't we didn't know. We'd done some renovations before, but not with you know a, a larger, reputable, more reputable company involving you know many sub trades with a long timeline and you know a lot of moving parts. So you know, luckily Alex took the time to put together a preliminary budget, and that's where we started off from. And then from there, we were able to you know work with a mortgage broker and figure out how we were going to finance this. And really, our approach at the end of the day was. Um, you know, once we decided to move forward with the purchase, we didn't put down as large of a down payment as we as we could have. And we just assumed a, a larger mortgage and we used that to kind of the cash or the proceeds we had from the original sale of our duplex to fund the renovation. I know every situation is different, but what does it look like to purchase a home from a family member, especially when you're purchasing in such a hot market? How do you negotiate a price? Yeah. So that was interesting because my parents, you know, required the equity from their home to retire. So we weren't gifted a home in Vancouver. There, it needed to be equitable. And we did go back and forth on, on some numbers. You know, I think at the end of the day, we're happy. We were satisfied in knowing everyone knew that the house needed work, maybe not as much work, you know, as what ended up happening. So there was a little bit of give and take with the final price, but we definitely needed to be sensitive that my parents needed the equity from their home in order to retire. Yeah, it worked out in the end. It wasn't a free house for you guys. Well, <laughs> not a free home in Vancouver. Certainly, certainly not free, but I think probably... The, and nor should it be, right? Like, yeah. Probably yeah. the greatest <laughs> advantage for us was the market was really hot. The neighborhood is desirable. The location is desirable. There's no doubt in my mind if that went to market, there would be multiple offers and we'd end up in, mm-hmm. a, in a bidding war, right? So that's mm-hmm. that was really the greatest advantage and you know they they settled on a number or we were able to settle settle on a number that they were they were happy with they were getting enough return they also are going to be able to spend time there and maintain that connection to the neighborhood and the home and and see that that legacy continue on so you know i think you know they're they're kind of nostalgic people they you know they see it's not just about dollars at the end of the day right there's other things that are important here and yeah so they they saw the value there and yeah, we were just very fortunate that it was able to work out that way. Next renovation, you have to make an in-law suite, though. Well, yeah, I mean, these are all on the table. When we when we saw yeah. the house, it's like we ideally we'd like to, you know, the, the top two floors became a priority. That's where we're going to spend the most of our time. That's where the, the bedrooms are going to be on and, and uh, the family room. And but there is this basement area and that is on the list of, of things to take care of. And we didn't know how far our money would go when we first contacted Alex you know, we have a long list of things to do both interior and exterior. So we really had to prioritize and decide which projects we'd take on first and then and then see really how far the funds would last. And that's what we want to discuss today, too, is why we brought Elisa on is what are your future projects going to look like? And how can you start budgeting it for it now for the future after you've had this taste, of course, of your big renovation, which a lot of people probably don't want to think about the future, but maybe some little bit of planning can go a long way down the road. Let's welcome Elisa on and we're going to start the discussion. Say a little bit about yourself just for the burdens and everyone that doesn't know you give us a little bit of background on yourself. 
I've been doing financing for the last 12 years. Pretty well, my whole career has been real estate. So I spent 15 years working for developers and property management companies, big developers like Polygon, Lettingham McAllister, the Quick Group. And I also worked with Hollyburn Properties. They own and manage their own buildings. So that was a great experience there. So essentially, I left the corporate world and then I pretty well got my license, my mortgage license, just really started working through financing. I'm really essentially the money finder. So I work with a lot of homeowners, first time buyers. I'm a little bit different in a way that that I also do renovations and construction loans. They're quite unique. Construction loans are one of the riskiest definitely out there. It's really about what is the best strategy based on what they're wanting to achieve. It's really exciting to hear you guys pretty well or, you know, have come through this journey and definitely great that Skyla's parents were able to kind of, you know, help you with the land and, and the house. And because that's huge, absolutely, especially with a very higher market. And especially when you guys were looking at doing it, it definitely with the peak was really, it was big, right? Prices have definitely gone up. Alisa, you have your processes when you work with a couple. And then Skyla and Justin had their process of starting their whole budget journey for this home. So what would you typically do if a young couple like Skyla and Justin came to you and said, we want to purchase a home from a family member or want to purchase a home in general and want to renovate it? It's funny that actually mentioned that because I do have another client where the grandma actually owns the house, this clear free title, and the daughter and husband and grandson in this case are going to be doing doing the same kind of thing with what you guys did. So it's it's exciting to hear you guys did that because it is happening a lot more that the parents or grandparents have a lot of equity in the house or they're almost like mortgage free. They do want to keep the house and be able to help the next generation to be able to afford a home just because affordability has come as a big issue just because prices have gone up quite a bit. So so in this case, yeah, it would be a first thing is they did is figure out what the price of the home would be, right? So how they determined what the value of the home is. Also is what is the market value of the home? home, but also what are they comfortable paying or selling the house to Skyla and Justin that it's a win-win for everybody, right? So in that case, yes, it would be determine the price of the home. You don't really have to use a realtor for this case. You probably just, um, in this case, you would just use a lawyer to draft the contract as it is technically a private sale. And then you guys would just qualify to see how much you guys would qualify for the home based on your income and and debt and credit. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did. So that was, you know, another advantage. We didn't, realtors didn't have to necessarily be involved. We, we knew some realtors, so we were able to get a sense of what maybe what the market value was for the home or what it would be listed at. So that was considered in our negotiation for pricing, purchased it from Skyla's parents. We had the luxury of time then, so we could get our financing in order, um, working with the broker, figuring out, um, you know, kind of shop around interest rates were still very low at that time. You know, that's something that's definitely changed as we've, you know, and been a, you know, kind of an unforeseen event, the rising cost of living and also rising interest rates now. So, you know, it's more expensive to carry this debt for sure. But at the time that, you know, we were fairly comfortable that, you know, rates would remain low for for a while, or that was the guidance anyways, at that time. So we really had the luxury of time and, and able to, to figure out how we'd we get the money set aside to do this. And, you know, we started off, I think we said, you know, around $500,000 would be kind of this nest egg that we'd have here to put towards our house. And hopefully we can take care of everything, right? We can reno the entire interior. There's some exterior work that needs to be done in terms of replacing some stairs, some fencing, 
the exterior painting. That's when, you know, we got in touch with Alex and he drafted up a preliminary budget in February, 2021. And I think the number at that point to do the main floors of the house came in around $350,000. So, you know, me and Skyla had no idea what those costs would look like. But, you know, we sat down and we discussed that. And, you know, we we thought, okay, we've got about 500K. If we could knock off the first two floors for about 350, that gives us some buffer in case things go sideways. Um, you know, we anticipated a few additional costs. And then we also figured, you know, we can definitely do some of the exterior repairs, have the exterior painted, and then, you know, maybe we'll have to phase in the basement at a later date once it's all said and done, regroup, reassess where we are in terms of the funds available and, and make some decisions at that point. And I think that's exactly what we've done. You analyzed everything of what are your needs now and what are your needs in the future, right? Your case, you're not first-time buyers. You actually moved up in the way that, you know, you sold the duplex, now you have a home. So you actually you know, upsized, you moved up, you're not a first time buyer. Sometimes it's just getting into the market and start building equity. But you guys had your duplex, which is great. You had quite a bit of equity there, obviously, especially when you sold at the right time. And then yes, interest rates were low at that time, like the timing for you guys was perfect. Now, if you were looking at doing it now, it will look probably a little bit different. Didn't really mention that it's what I say It's like, it's when is the right time for you? It's not timing the market necessarily, or you know, it's like, well, what interest rates are doing or what is the market doing? Essentially, now you're buying low, but you're also selling low, right? In your guys' case, you had a very great benefit that you were able to buy from Skyla's parents, which was great. Again, you agreed on a price that it worked out for everybody. And I mean, really $500,000 for the renovations that you did is great. You guys had a buffer of, you know, you estimated the budget was 350. You still had 150 to kind of work with. And, you know, things did come up, you know, like you mentioned, there was the roof that you weren't expecting and engineering reports and plumbing repairs. And that is something that always tends to come up with any major renovation because level one is a great builder. And there's amazing great builders. Once they start opening and actually doing the work, sometimes things come up that they're not aware of just because that's just the nature of, of renovation sometimes, right? And I know Justin researched a lot in that. In one of the previous episodes, we discussed this and you said you took it on your own responsibility, you and Skyla, to create your own contingency plan. Alisa, when you have a lot of clients come in, do you suggest that if they're going to go in the reno that they should have their own contingency plan if they don't do the research like Justin did? Yeah, I definitely work with my clients and I work with a lot of builders as well. So it's really working side by side with the client and the builder. In this case, you guys had the money up front, so it's a little bit easier. But if you're doing, say, a construction mortgage, is really about aligning the budget when the lender's going to release the funds. So it's really important to align that because there will come a point where there's going to be peak capital required. Even though you might be approved for it, the lender's not going to advance more funds until you achieved a certain percentage of completion of the home. So you guys did have that flexibility, which was great because then essentially you guys budgeted your money. It's like, okay, so when Alex said, okay, you need, I need $50,000, it's like, okay, well, here you go, right? But it's also monitoring where the money's spending, what do you actually need and what else you have to do. And your focus, like you said, it was, you know, focusing on the top two floors and then you still have the basement that didn't get done. And that's okay, right? You guys can live in the home. Now, if you probably get an appraisal, I know land values have gone down a little bit, but definitely there's still equity now in your home because of the improvements that you made in the home, right? So in a few years, you can definitely look at refinancing and be able to take that out to actually finish, say, the basement. You also did some exterior work, which is great. 
in your case is forever home, which is great, but it's like as time goes by, you're paying down your mortgage, equity goes up, then you actually start building more wealth. And in that case, you can still work and doing some stuff. And then, yeah, that's the in-law suite or, you know, and you just use the basement suite and you finish it. And then you use that income to help you with the mortgage or essentially is if you guys can actually save a little bit more money now that things are kind of done, you can start putting some of that money towards the renovation, finish the basement, and then you can actually refinance in that case. And then you get the money back because then now you have the rental income to be able to help you qualify for that, which otherwise you wouldn't right now. Because we had some engineering stuff that did change it. Can we talk a little bit about that? We weren't prepared for that in your initial budget. Yes, you did have the contingency plan, but obviously it's hard because you have this dream in your mind and you guys knew what you wanted to do. And then Alex came back to you and said, oh, engineering says we have to do this, this and this and this to move forward. How do you get through something like that? I know we touched a little bit about it in the earlier episodes, but from a budget perspective. Once we had the preliminary budget from Alex and then, you know, Kara came on board and we really started working through the design and putting together, you know, this plan for how to proceed. And in that original plan, we had had our hearts set on moving some some walls to create some additional space upstairs in the bathroom and moving some some walls down in the kitchen. And we got to a point where you know, we had this vision and everything was on track. And then the engineer came in and we learned that there's going to be major implications to moving some of these load bearing walls upstairs um, and on the main floor. And essentially what that was going to entail was having to get in the basement and, and pour footings and, and really turn that into a construction zone. We were concerned about that for, for multiple reasons. One being we had always planned to stay in the basement, be in the home while the, the upper two floors were being renovated. So Alex essentially put together three options for us. And, and one, the first option was we're going to, you know, we'll do, we're going to do everything as planned. And what's going to be involved is essentially a full renovation of the basement while we're down there uh, working on footings, redirecting loads. So we'd have to be out of the house and, you know, the budget for that option inflated from, you know, what we thought was around 350 up to closer to the $500,000 mark. And that's when me and Skyla said, this isn't an option for us. We, we have this, this pool of funds. And at that point, if we were to proceed with that, there really wouldn't have been a contingency. And if anything came up that was unexpected and, you know, you can just imagine the, the things we found once we opened up the walls in the first two floors, going down in the basement and opening that up and seeing the foundation and everything else, like who knows, that's something we're going to have to deal with in the future, right? But we wouldn't have been prepared to take on a bunch of additional expenses there. So option one was kind of off the table. Option two was to, again, proceed with everything as plans, all the additional engineering work, but really just leave the basement in a state of flux. So just do the construction as required to complete the upper two floors, but then kind of leave it in a bit of a unfinished state. And then option three was maybe to move off of some of these engineering requirements and do more of a remove and replace and just kind of forego the major structural changes. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what made sense for us in terms of the budget requirements, the the fact that we could, you know, use our budget to to go towards some of the finer finishes, the details that really have taken this renovation to the next level. And at the end of the day, deciding, you know what, maybe moving a wall two feet in the upper bathroom 
and you know another 12 inches in the kitchen isn't worth an additional $150,000 for us like that's not we didn't see the value there the budget was a it's you know it's ever evolving process right like you know you got a preliminary budget and then you know we kind of get into the you know Cara does her magic and you you know you get through the the details of the project then you get another budget. So there's budget checks that happen before you start. You have a really accurate idea as to what you're kind of getting into financially. I mean, in this scenario, we had a lot of time to plan and there was no rush on construction start dates. So that preliminary budget or that budgeting and design process took almost a year. Alex, after we got the engineering back, you and I chatting and we were just so heartbroken to have this conversation with Skyland Justin because that meant that our best scenario plan was out the window. Like we knew it wasn't going to really be a viable option now because living in the basement was like a priority and the engineering had just ballooned way past what we had ever anticipated. And so they did have to make some sacrifices to their bathroom. If you've listened to the other episodes, you'll know that Skyla had to give her clawfoot tub up. And we couldn't move this one corner in the kitchen, which would have allowed us to have like a little working island because there is a high traffic zone there. So it just didn't allow us the proper clearances to maintain that. We couldn't have as much of an opening in the hallway to create like a feeling of openness, just more of an open concept. But actually, in the end, we, we were able to add an opening that we didn't think we were going to after the engineering. But Justin did put the ball in your court and say, you know, hey, you know, we're considering this option of, you know, not moving the walls. Are we still going to get the kitchen that we want? And if the answer was no, or if it wasn't going to be a functional kitchen, then who knows, maybe you guys would have pulled the plug on the project. But that question was posed to you. And I think obviously, you know, you said, yeah, like this kitchen is still going to work. Not having the island is not a big deal. Here's another solution instead of that. Yeah, that's really where we, you know, had to lean on you and say, like, what do you think? Honestly, like, is this a major sacrifice? Is this going to really affect the functionality of the kitchen? That's not the only time we've had to, to ask you those questions too, right? When people are looking for homes and they come to you that maybe they do want to renovate, how do you kind of teach them flexibility or even just their wish list for a home of like what they're going to be able to afford? Yeah, I mean, it's great hearing your guys' story because it's it's true. You're not going to get everything. You have your wish list and then it's just prioritizing what's important. One thing that is also great, you guys work together and it's a team. And that's what I say to my clients is like, be comfortable who you're working with as a builder and with an interior designer is not don't only look at the dollars and cents when you're looking at a budget or finding a builder to do your renovation is like really is it the right team for you because what Alex and Kara did is fantastic because that's really being a team and working with you and it's not like let's just get this done right and there's some that do it but again it's, it's having the right builder because it's a long-term relationship you guys did this you were saying what over a year And that's a long process, right? And it's not something that should just be, and it's a lot of money as well. You guys have worked really hard to be able to do that. It's, yes, it's prioritizing what you want to do and also having the right team in place because they gave you the options. They knew what it was important for you guys. Ultimately, yes, Skyla and Justin made the decisions of like what they wanted to do, but they relied on Alex and Kara to, you know, give them options and advice. And, and that's really, really important. So it doesn't only look at the dollars and cents where you're looking at finding a builder, just make sure that, you know, it's the right team for you. And for us, I mean, that's exactly how we decided to work with Alex and, and Kara was 
just from meeting them and and recognizing that we could communicate well with them and that it was going to work out because honestly the dollars and cents aren't there at that stage in the project you really don't have a firm number that you're working with and sure you can talk to people and the numbers will vary wildly depending on you know what assumptions people are building into their initial budgets but you really don't have a firm dollar number at the beginning for this type of project to make your decision solely based on money. So yeah, it really comes down to the the people that you're working with. We're in constant communication. We're always having to be in contact through email, through phone calls. And yeah, you just have to make sure that the people that you're working with, you can get along with, right? Yeah. And you want someone you can trust, like you said, too, because when you do have to have those hard budget conversations, you want somebody to be honest with you. You don't want somebody to just say what you want to hear, because that's not going to be great for your relationship down the road, too, if they don't encourage you to do the proper things, and then it's going to cost you more money in the long run. So it's really having that person you can have those honest conversations with because you guys have had a few honest conversations, even on this podcast together when it comes on budget. How much has the house really changed from the original budget to now? Was there a lot of fluctuation or was it pretty much what Alex quoted you? We had about 40k in extras from when the contract was signed to where, you know, I mean, there are also additional expenses on top of that, like the roof, which you guys paid separately. But those were the costs on top of, you know, the final contract based on all the drawings and specs. And we think what we haven't touched in is Alex gave a preliminary budget at the very beginning, then we went through design and Alex budgeted again based on the final design. And after we altered the design because of the engineering, and then once you guys had the number, then the contract was signed for build. That final budget came in around 385000 prior to the any additional changes. So there's probably another roughly about 10% additional cost that's been taken on and, and things that had to be done. Like those weren't decisions, like budget decisions at the end of the day. It's like the roof needs to be replaced or water is going to enter your home. The engineering needs to be upgraded or you will not pass inspection. Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, hey, I misquoted the drywall costs and it's going to be an extra 10 grand because I'm an idiot. It was yeah, stuff that all related to extra scope items and cost overruns on some things that you can't always predict in advance. Also, because when we're quoting this too, if you're having a budget meeting with somebody in December 2021, your prices are going to be in are going to be based off of October or November of 2021. But when you actually go in to purchase those items, it's summer 2022. And everybody knows, you know, inflation and how much that's happened over the course of the last six, seven months. So it's just that delicate, delicate balance and why you have some things as allowances. Again, it's having that communication and you as the builder needs to have that communication with Skylar and Justin being like, okay, well, this is how much it costs right now, but because of shipping issues, because of inflation, it could be more instead of being like, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be exactly this price. You won't pay a cent more. That's where people get into trouble. How much did the roof actually cost extra wise? Can we say? Yeah, it was probably about $12,000 additional. There was some additional work that level one actually got involved to, to help out the roofer replace some of the uh, carpentry work. There was some rotten soffiting and the fascia boards. So there was some costs there. I'd say at the end of the day, it was probably about uh, $12,000 to take care of the roof. But that's something, yeah, you need to do every 25 years. So exactly. 
And also when you're doing renovations and probably you guys went through it as well is even though you have a budget, it's like, okay, I'm going to spend X amount of money, say in, in kitchen appliances, or once you start looking at it and you're like, you know what, we actually probably want this one instead of that one. Right. So it would mean that probably the cost would be a little bit higher than what you actually budget. And that did you guys kind of went through that as well? Yeah, we kind of got into this mode where it's like, you're going to spend all this money like where you don't want to cut corners on on some of those things like your appliances, some of your fixtures, like a couple hundred dollars extra at the end of the day. It's like you you hope that's not going to be the, you know, the margin that you need to, to skimp out on because we really wanted if we're going to spend this much money for things to really look look nice and be really functional and you get what you pay for, like, especially when it comes to appliances and fixtures and, and those things. So we didn't want to cut corners there. And that's a really good attitude to have because a lot of people, and especially from a designer's perspective are like, Oh, can we like save, can we do like a hundred dollars less on a faucet or a couple hundred dollars less on tile overall? But you guys already knew that reducing scope of work is your biggest cost saver. So not doing that basement saved you hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's the quickest and easiest way to reduce your budget. So reducing the scope of what we were doing to the bathroom probably saved you $10,000, $15,000 to bring that cost back down in those three scenarios that Alex presented. Are you going to spend $5,000 on your range or $6,000? Like that doesn't really make a huge difference in the end when you're using it heavily every day. And those are the things you're interacting with, where if you have the ability to reduce your scope to bring your costs down, then that's usually what we recommend. And because we have no plans on selling or moving anytime soon, that was a factor for us, right? Like this isn't an investment property. We're not looking to flip it. We're going to live here and we wanted things that were, you know, good quality and are going to last. We don't want to renovate again anytime soon. Unless it's a basement. <laughs> and it finishes off, like if you guys are going to do this whole reno, you want to make sure it looks nice when people walk in too. You don't want it to just be like basic. Like I love the unlacquered brass faucet, which you said was a little pricey, but I think it's going to look amazing in your kitchen. And you have to be able to follow us on the computer. I want you to go right now to haven.ca slash measure twice cut once because all the photos are on there of the progress of the home and you can see what we're talking about. And you can actually do a little bit of digging and see what kind of appliances that maybe the burdens uh, splurged a little bit more on and get the similar stuff to them because their home is gorgeous. And I think at the end of the day, like Elisa said, it was the right time for you guys to renovate. And now you're going to be happy with this beautiful home that you're going to live in for years and then start the process of, you know, maybe looking into the basement in the future. As we're wrapping up here, Elisa did a little bit of uh, crunching numbers while we were talking. And she thinks that you still may have a little bit of funds left available in your budget. Is that true? Do you guys feel that way? Well, the one thing we didn't mention is uh, now we have to furnish our area. So a lot of those funds have been going towards we had to purchase a dining table, a sofa, a kitchen table, chairs, which I had no idea cost associated with all of these things. So yeah, dining chairs are expensive. Holy. Yeah. So we're kind of we're kind of working through that. I mean, it'll be nice to stop writing checks here at some point soon. Yeah, Justin's anxiety is uh, rising, even though we're within budget. It's still not a good feeling. I'm more of a saver by nature. So this has been a real test for me 
to be comfortable with spending the money. And I, you know, Skyla has to talk me down sometimes and, you know, assure me that we've made the right decisions, that this is going to be in the best interest of our family. And I totally agree, but you have to be comfortable spending money. And you guys were able to be within the budget, but it was very good that you guys were able to do that because probably Alex knows there's been other renovations. I'm sure has son and I have seen it with other clients that unfortunately, once they started a renovation, which it did happen to one of my clients, that they had a great budget. And unfortunately, they used a lot of their investments. And then it actually comes that uh, they actually didn't have enough money to finish the renovations. So it does happen. Um, again, you guys were great that we were able to be within budget and had extra money for, you know, the furniture and everything else. But there's a lot of people that unfortunately they don't and they do go over budget and they need to be aware that there's other options. Like I had a client where, you know, they did have a major renovation like you guys and builder called me and he's like, the clients won't get any more money from their bank. So I actually had to go and uh, we, I said, okay, are you guys have enough money to do the renovations? You're like, yeah, we're good. And I'm like, okay, no problem. So what I did is I got them financing because they had the money to finish the renovations, but then they still had to pay back their investments, right? So I was able to find them a lender that actually got them a lot more money that they needed, which was great, but they had to be at 95% complete for them to be able to get that money. But then we're like, okay, you'll be done in like 120 days. So we're good and all that kind of stuff. We just had to wait for it to finish. And then they called me about two months in and they're like, some things came up and we did have to change a few things and had to make a few more decisions and we're out of money. And the builders like need the money like they can't finance the the renovation right so we did have to go to a private lender to actually get them the money in between to be able for them to finish the the renovation are they going to be able to pay that back and maybe not just this couple aside it's like when people start getting down that route of like borrowing and borrowing and borrowing it how do you as a professional make sure that it's something that they're gonna hopefully be able to pay back and not get too much into a hole that they're stuck in and that's the thing because i actually work alongside with a client and the builder i don't disclose financial information to the builder but I do work with the builder and the client. It's like, okay, where are we at? This is how much your money is going to be needed and everything else. Like the conversation on my client is really the client. The homeowner is not the builder, but I do work with them as like, let's look at the budget and stuff. So while again, I had the full amount approved, but they, they couldn't finish the home. So they needed money ahead of time before the house was at 95% complete. Cause even though it, it was a regular lender, they still couldn't access that money until the house was finished. So because that was the case, we had to go to a private lender to get them the money to really get to 95% for them to be able to finish the project. And that actually happens very often. I get a lot of calls. We're $50,000 short. I have this great relationship with the bank and my family has been banking there for like ever. And it's like, they just won't give me one more cent. Like, what can you help us? And that's what I do, right? So it's better that you actually get financing like you guys get the financing ahead when you start doing renovations during the planning process. Don't get it in the middle of the construction because it's very hard, like because the lender's going to ask for an appraisal. They're going to go in and if they see gutted walls and everything else, they're not going to give you any money. Right. So, again, it's having the right builder, having the right strategy, having the right team in place to make sure that you guys are able to carry it. So you guys were great that you were able to be within budget, but there's a lot of clients, especially with 
shortage of uh, supply, you know, supply chain issues and labor shortages and everything else. I mean, prices are going up, inflation's going up. Even though it's the most, the best budget you can ever have, things do come up and is be able to have, again, that buffer, that contingency fund to be able to do it and make sure you have that money available when the builder's going to require it. And that's one thing I also wanted to mention, which I think maybe was a bit of a saving grace for Skyland, Justin, and I don't know how other people do it. So I'd like a little bit of your advice on this, Elisa, is they were lucky and they mentioned it earlier in this episode. They were fortunate that they did have the basic suite that they could live in during the renovation. A lot of people don't have that luxury when they do a full reno. They do have to put money aside to either rent out a place if they don't have the luxury to live with family or friends during that. So that could be an extra cost of where do you stay when you're going to do a renovation. The renovation cost is like where are you going to live, right? Because yeah, like if you don't have a place that you can live with family or live in the basement suite and you have to essentially move out is like, well, that's the cost shelter because you're still going to have to pay the mortgage. So then you have two costs. You have the mortgage and then you have, you know, even if you're renting a place for a few months or it could be up to a year, I guess it just depends because things do come up like you guys, you know, is the roofing and the engineering and everything else that just adds to the timeline as much as everybody's fantastic at what they do, things do come up. Right. So it's really having that contingency fund. And again, that's why I say it's critical to have the right team in place from the very beginning. Okay, as we close out of here, this is our final episode. Final thoughts. We'll start with you, Elisa. Final thoughts about Skyla and Justin's home. Well, I'm just so excited for you guys. And I'm definitely going to go and look at the website and, you know, look at the photos and everything. Like, it's so exciting. I really appreciate you guys inviting me to be part of this episode. And and I actually do look forward to hearing the rest of how you guys started to, to now. So it's really exciting. And the general advice for just anybody, make sure you have the right team in place and make sure that you guys are comfortable with what you're doing. There's always money out there. We can always get you the money, but let's start at getting you guys at the best time possible. Perfect. And if you want to know more about Elisa, you can go to financingpros.ca. Okay, moving over to Kara and Alex, then we'll wrap up with the homeowners. Your final thoughts on this project? Didn't know until today where we had landed through construction on the budget. So I think considering all things you guys landed pretty well in the budget and you have a beautiful home now i'm quite envious of it and i hope you guys make lots of happy memories in it justin and skyland i we have a good relationship obviously you never want to go back to the client and ask for for more money even though it's obviously justified it's never an easy conversation yeah i think i'm happy with how that process has gone Skyla, Justin, final thoughts from the homeowners. Do you want to do another renovation down the road? Yeah, I think we, you know, we survived. It was a bit of an emotional roller coaster, but we're really grateful that, you know, we do have the money to do this. And that's what I always reframe to Justin, you know, instead of thinking, you know, it's all dire, look how much is going out. It's like how wonderful it is that we actually have the money to spend. We're so happy. There's nothing better than feeling settled in your own home and feeling like you can just live your life and your house is going to add to your life, not detract from it. And so we're we're really happy that we just have a, a place that we know is functional and that's safe. And I'm looking forward to doing the basement, but I think Justin needs a, a breather here. We need to be fiscally responsible now and <laughs> save our money. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think... There was some ups and downs. Living in the basement was a challenge, but we've made a big investment in ourselves and our family. And I mean, it's one of those big life projects that you don't 
do too many of these, I imagine we'll remember it for a long time. Excited to make make memories in, in the new house. And I'm glad we've kind of assembled a team here. Like we have contacts now moving forward and in touch with Kara and Alex in the future when we decide that look at the basement or, you know, even some other projects around. So I'm glad that we, uh, we've got to know everyone and really appreciate everyone's hard work and very grateful. And thank you, everyone. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this for us. It's been a really insightful journey. I love watching this whole thing grow. And as I listen to every episode that led us up to this one, it's just amazing to see the transformation. So if you haven't yet, make sure you check out all the photos at haven.ca slash measure twice cut once that wraps up season four. Again, big thank you to the homeowners, Skyla and Justin, Elisa for hopping on our final episode. And of course, the interior designer, Kara from Triple Dot Designs and Alex from Level One Construction. We've been so happy that you've been part of the process and allowing Haven to follow this wonderful project throughout. I think we started back in January. Now it's August. It's been a it's a long haul. And I bet Skyla and Justin are ready to not only save more money, but enjoy their space. And I agree with you, Justin. I hate it taking money on my wallet for home renovations. I appreciate that you're a saver and we'll give it some time. And then maybe in a few years, we'll be back here to know how to renovate your basement part two with Skyla and Justin. So thanks again. And if you haven't yet, make sure again, you check out the website haven.ca slash measure twice cut once. Not only are there photos on there, you, you can find all the information about the podcast and please follow us through there on all the platforms like Spotify, iTunes, Google, and there's a few more listed on there as well. Whatever one you listen to your podcast on. So just follow our journey Again, haven.ca slash measure twice, cut once. Thank you. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. Measure Twice, Cut Once is grateful to our podcast partners, Fortis BC and Ethical Flooring. Their support helps us share expert knowledge and resources with families looking to build, design, and renovate the home right for you. Ethical Flooring is located in North Vancouver and specializes in the supply and installation of brand name flooring for residential renovations and custom-built homes. And the BC Energy Step Code Program is a provincial standard moving the entire home building industry forward to build homes to better energy efficiency standards, which means better health, comfort, and safety. Be sure to check out betterhomesbc.ca to talk to your renovator or builder for the latest energy rebates and resources. If you've enjoyed this episode or have a friend or family member looking to renovate, be sure to share this podcast simply by following and sharing the podcast. You'll be entered in to win a Napoleon Prestige P500 stainless steel natural gas barbecue valued at $1,549, compliments of Fortis BC. Season four's real-time reno has real resources we can all learn from. See you next time. Searching for a new home? Make todayshomebc.com your online home base. With easy-to-search listings and connections to local realtors, everything you need is under one roof. Powered by Black Press Media, you can search hundreds of local listings all in one place. Access the top real estate professionals to help you find the perfect home today at todayshomebc.com.